Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. It's the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you. 420. Happy 420, everyone. April 20th. 2021 plenty of topics on the docket today to talk to talk about uh once again in case you missed yesterday's show uh according to pod feed we're the number one gamecock south carolina gamecocks podcast uh ranked number one good friend keith Allsup and locked on the gamecocks podcast is number two uh so certainly appreciate the uh ranking there and appreciate all of you for tuning in uh, and participating uh, in this podcast, and certainly, uh, I enjoy doing it each and every day. It's it's kind of a release to come in and talk about something that we all care about, and that's the South Carolina Gamecocks, and sort of you know how the Gamecocks are doing, how they fit in uh, with the rest of the SEC uh, across all sports, uh, and that's fun because I'm a football guy at heart, and uh, that's probably what I'm best at covering, and all that, and I don't pretend to be you know, this great analysis guy of basketball or baseball, but I enjoy talking about it because I enjoy the sports and, you know, shoot, uh, you know, you listen to local radio and they're going to talk about all the sports. So I figured I should too, not just about football, but football is the focus here. And as we count down to the spring game on Saturday, kickoff 2 p.m. Eastern streaming on SEC Network Plus, uh, a big weekend for Carolina Athletics too, because you have that Arkansas baseball series as well. So uh, a lot of folks will be in Columbia this weekend with the Garnet and Black on, and, and that's always good. Hope the weather holds up for everybody and all that good stuff. But, you know, we talked a little bit about the running backs yesterday outside of Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd. And today, you know, kind of flip sides of the ball and, and talk about the defensive backs. Uh, this is a position I'm very intrigued to see. Uh, on Saturday in terms of who lines up where, uh, who can make a play. Uh, Of course, just like Shane Beamer said and every other coach in the country says, you make a good play on defense, you're worried about the offense and vice versa in situations like that. Uh, But, you know, I I think that defensive back, there's so many unknown guys. I mean, there's not – you know, Carolina lost a lot of names uh, out of the back of that – the back end of that defense – and so there are a lot of newcomers and, and a lot of guys that haven't played a whole lot of football back there. And, and that's always a concern when you're that inexperienced, uh, even if you're pretty talented. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Think back to the 2010 Alabama-South Carolina game. Uh, Steven Garcia obviously had a great game passing the ball, and they could not do anything with Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, those guys that were on the field trying to defend Alshon Jeffrey for Alabama all, I think, ended up in the NFL and, and all were really good by the end of their career, but they were freshmen that year. Saban had to trot some freshmen out. Alabama lost three games that season. And then the next year, of course, they had one of the most dominant defenses in college football and won it all again. But, uh, you know, that that's what youth can get you sometimes. Uh, now, there's been times over the years where Carolina's had a guy like a Captain Munerlin that's that's come in and started from the get-go. Stephon Gilmore started from the get-go. Uh, obviously, those guys came in at different ends of the recruiting spectrum. 
Uh, Captain was a two-star guy from Mobile, Alabama, that Carolina beat Kansas State on, and Stephon Gilmore was a national-level recruit. But both came in and started uh, from first staff of their freshman year and, and held up pretty fine. So, you know, there is precedent that uh, precedent that um, you know this can work. Uh, it's just a little bit, uh, for lack of a better term, scary because you just don't know. I mean, I think that we we automatically the unknown is worrisome uh, in a lot of things uh, and in football, especially, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen, but I feel decent about right now, sort of the rotation at nickel and corner. There's been some guys with some nagging injuries like David Spalding, uh, but you got Marcellus dial and cam Smith, uh, my prediction. And, and I don't know if this will come true or not, because you just don't know. It may be somebody else. Uh, is the dial and Smith will probably come out of, of spring if they release a depth chart, uh, number one at corner. Uh, and then O'Donnell Fortune and Dominic Hill, two second year guys that, that saw some snaps last year uh, behind them. And then Spalding in the mix at corner, but also at nickel. And then O'Donnell Fortune's also at nickel. So if you're lining up the starters on Saturday, and, and look, I may be wrong. Uh, don't get me, I don't have the depth chart in front of me, but. My guess would be you'd see Smith dial at corner and then fortune at nickel to start with. Um, and, and we're getting more clarification on the nickel position in terms of it. Was it a spur, a hybrid type linebacker, DB? Is it going to be just a defensive back? And it, it's going to be much more like the nickel position in Muschamp's defense uh, than um, the spur position in Ellis Johnson's. Uh, and, and so that's, that, that's my understanding right now. Uh, and I said, you still need a guy that can be physical and be in the box, but you, you look at who's playing there, fortune and Spalding right now. Uh, and then I, I'll get to the newcomers here in a second. I think there's at least one that's a perfect fit for that spot. Uh, they look like more like bigger DBs, uh, than maybe a hybrid. Um, so, you know, I sort of thought coming in, if, if it were a spot that was kind of, that was, you know, the spur type spot. Uh, I kind of thought, you know, we, RJ, the R.J. Rodericks of the world or the Jamar Browns, Kobe Fields coming in as a linebacker, but could be a guy that could play there. But that's – it looks like it's more of a coverage guy. And, and you know, today's offenses, you know, you, you, you got to have guys that can that can cover. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. And that's not to say that, you know, you think back to the spur position under Ellis Johnson, Devontae Holloman. Antonio Allen, Darian Stewart, they all could cover pretty well. I mean, so it's nothing against them. It's just more of a body type thing, uh, getting some length out there. Uh, you know, and, and then the starting safeties right now are Jalen Foster and R.J. Roderick. Uh, specifically, I've heard those two have had, you know, pretty good springs. Uh, I know they struggled mightily, both of those guys, last year in games. Uh, but R.J. Roderick's kind of got a new lease on life after – you know, opting out when Bobo took over, he came back, he had meetings. The staff really likes him, he's taking him under his wing. When I've seen him on video uh, from practice, he looks like he's even in better shape, a little quicker, that type of thing, and he's had some good plays. Now, I'll caution you, R.J. Roderick's always been good in practice um, since he's been at Carolina. Uh, Jalen Foster's a guy that knew his assignments. That's why he was on the field a lot last year. Um, and so sometimes that doesn't translate to games. And I think that's why, you know, you want as much depth and competition as possible back there. But, 
you know, R.J. Roderick, when he started as a true freshman, you, you sort of got the feeling he was going to be really good. Uh, and then, you know, his fundamentals sometimes escape him in games from a tackling standpoint. Uh, and then last year in coverage, really that Florida game. And, and, and look, Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson and those guys at Florida are really good at finding mismatches. I mean, you watch the SEC championship game against Alabama. They, they had no problem doing that against Bama, I mean, much less South Carolina. Uh, and so maybe it's a little unfair, I mean, but uh, he obviously did struggle. And it just wasn't his year last year, 2020. Um, and I, I'm not saying the guy's going to be, you know, tearing it up this year. I, I think it's impossible to predict that based on practice and the fact that he's practiced pretty well before. You know, that said, you know, it's not like he lacks skill or ability or anything like that. You know, Foster's a guy sort of limited athletically, speed-wise, all that, but R.J. Roderick's not. I mean, he's just, you know, whether that was assignments or whatever. Uh, And, look, here's the thing, too, and this is something that, uh, you know, kind of gives you hope, but but maybe not. I I don't know. I, I think that. You look at Will Muschamp's defense, and 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 I'm going to say this: the alignments and some of the creativity and the um, you know off uh, you know odd fronts, things like that. The use of a nickel, you know, those things are pretty similar. But but this defense is going to be a lot different in terms of mental responsibility, and I think that's where the difference is. And you talk to anybody that's run the Muschamp, Saban, Kirby defense. Uh, and they're all different, you know, with different variations and things like that. But the bottom line is they put a lot on their safeties. And Muschamp said it over and over again. We put a lot on our safeties, which I think I have a theory that maybe that's the reason the safety play wasn't all that good. But, you know, you're sitting there thinking about, like, the communication aspect of it uh, and, and the fact that even in Alabama, you know, when a team will bust a big play on the tide – or like Ole Miss last year went up and down the field, uh, the communication breaks down. It's nothing to do with talent. It's just communication, right spot, right spot at right time. And you start thinking about it. The Gamecocks had a bunch of NFL guys on the back end. Uh, and I'm going to include John Dixon in that because I think he'll have a good career at Penn State and and go to the NFL. And, and from what I've heard at Florida State, you know, like I said before, Jamie Robinson, they think he may be their best defensive player. So – I, I think that, you know, Carolina had talent back there last year. They, you know, they had some guys that, you know, didn't always play great. And, but, but I think it was the communication. And, and I think that's why, you know, sometimes you just got to simplify it and go. Um, and, and if that prevents you from disguising coverages, then, then that's not a good defense to be running. And I don't know if that happened or not. Uh, I'm just saying that, this defense is a lot more, I guess, you know, simpler to learn and simpler to go execute. And I think that could be a positive, you know, for a guy like R.J. Roderick. You also heard last year uh, from some folks that the, the linebacking core, as it got worse and worse and worse as the season went on um, with injuries or, or, or whatnot, was just less than ideal. And the secondary couldn't really do anything about it because – the linebackers are running all over the place and out of position and, and stuff like that. So we'll see. We'll see kind of uh, what happens back there uh, on the back end. I know this. I, I know that if I had to choose one guy 
from around the country and my secondary, you know, had some issues or question marks and I had to choose one guy to go do it. It'd probably be Torian Gray just because, you know, he's got a long track record of doing more with less uh, at Virginia tech. And, and certainly I don't think that the defensive issues they had at Florida last year were even close to his fault. Um, I think that's that scheme that they go, that they do, that they run. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's a guy that's more than capable of getting whatever the max is out of this group of guys. Now, the max may not be that good. Um, we just don't know. I mean, I think Marcellus Dial is going to be good, but he, he hadn't played a lot of football in two years. You know, I, I think that O'Donnell Fortune can be a really good player. and He's really physical, but didn't see – you know, I saw him in some snaps down the stretch last season, and that's it. You know, Dominic Hill's obviously a guy coming out of high school in Orlando that Texas wanted in some other schools because of his speed, but you don't know. You know, I think Cam Smith's ready to take a next step, judging by the way he played down the stretch last year, but you just don't know. Like I said, I I think R.J. Roderick could be better, but you're just kind of hesitant to talk about it. Um, now, coming in – and I don't think that I don't think that you're done with new defensive backs, and, and maybe, but maybe not. I think that over the summer there's going to be more guys in the portal, and if they can get some help, depending on where they're at, especially at safety, I think they're going to snatch them up. Uh, and then there's always you know the chance somebody moves over from offense or, or wherever. Uh, but coming in, I, I like these guys. I like Ladainley and Craig. Uh, a big, tall, fast guy from Alabama, Mobile, home of Captain Munderland. Speaking of Captain Munderland, uh, that I think will in time be a really good player. Uh, is he going to be ready to come in and play? That's the question. Uh, you got Carlins Plantel from Assumption, who I think, and I mentioned this before, I think that guy's the perfect nickel. He's about 6'2, 197, 200. When you watch him on film, he's really good in the box at dissecting plays can tackle fundamentally well. A um, little concerned about the coverage, quite frankly, watching the the film on him. But he's a guy that could go out there and I think play nickel. Now, Torian Gray, who knows a lot more than me, he may have other ideas. But uh, I, I, I think when I watch him, I think nickel. Uh, and then Isaiah Norris, who out of JUCO, if you watch Norris's film, he's very instinctive, very quick, fast, uh, he was in New Mexico military and then went to Georgia military. And he's from T.L. Hanna originally, so he was Zach Pickens' teammate up there. Uh, I, I think he's got a lot of upside and talent. I, I think the question with him uh, is he's listed at 170. Uh, sometimes that means that guy's 165. That gets a little light when you're playing corner in the SEC and, and against the schedule Carolina plays it. So, you know, who knows what he's going to come in at. If he comes in at 180, 185 without losing any speed, then, then that's a guy that I think could push for a starting job. If not, uh, who knows. But uh, those three guys are very, very intriguing, uh, I think, when you add them to it. And like I said, I don't think that they're done uh, at defensive back. But that's, you know, if I have to circle an area in red right now, um, and, and look, I'm going to – I'm going to probably circle wide receiver and linebacker in yellow. <laughs> uh, but if I have to put one red circle on the roster, it's DB. And then that's just because 
like I said, a lot of new players, a lot of unknowns, a lot of guys that haven't played all that well um, that they're counting on to take a step. Uh, but again, like I said, too, Torian Gray is, is probably the, the guy that I would want fixing my defensive backfield if I were a coach anywhere in the country. You know, just to be honest, that's that's how highly I think of him. And same with Justin Steppen, the receivers, but we're not talking receivers today. So, um, you know, you look at some of the problem areas, you know, they, they're in good hands. Now, we may not see a lot of great outcomes this year, uh, but that doesn't mean these guys aren't going to get it fixed one way or the other. Uh, they can recruit their way out of it, develop their way out of it, you know, whatever. But that's uh, that's the deal. But I, I'm curious to see how much, you know, the the taking some of the responsibilities off, not only the secondary but the Mike linebacker, and that's a big difference in this defense and Muschamps. And they put a ton on the mic and a ton on the safeties, communication and you know, when you have miscommunications, that means the guys aren't going in the right direction, and that means the offense is probably going to spring a big play. Um, so I'm curious to see how that part of it maybe frees some guys up uh, to just go play football. Because I think, obviously, when you think too much in any sport or any kind of physical activity, you go a tick slower because – you know, you're not just doing it naturally and, and secondhand. I remember, uh, shoot, when I played eighth grade basketball, <laughs> I was uh, I noticed that when I just went to the free throw line and, and shot, you know, I, I I was hitting about seventy percent. Now, when I went up there and thought about it, thirty. <laughs> it's a mental thing a lot of times in sports, and so that's uh. That's kind of the deal there with the secondary. So I'm curious to see if that's an issue. Maybe it may not be. It may not be an issue. I mean, we may see poor secondary play again this year or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I was told the DBs were a pleasant surprise on Sunday. And, uh, you know, what does that mean? Uh, obviously, people get worried about the receivers. I don't think Shane Beamer was happy with his receivers or his tight ends or his quarterback on Saturday with the explosive plays. Uh, but I do think that, um, you know, I, I, I do think that that's a positive sign uh, just for confidence and, and things like that. Because that's another thing about playing back there. You have to have confidence. All right. Some of you have gotten your wish, and that's good. I think anytime these days the athletic department can do something to make people happy, that's a good thing. Uh, obviously, they increase spring game, football game attendance. And, um so baseball has now joined the, the, the fray. And, and, you know, look, here's what I'm curious about. Whittle mentioned this on the site the other day, is that the NCAA is kind of frowning on, like, Mississippi and Mississippi State having 11,000 in the stands. Uh, and it may adversely affect them getting a regional. I, you know, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather Carolina get a regional and all that, not have to go on the road and, and all that good stuff than – you know, pack it out right now. Uh, but they are increasing the capacity to 50%, which, uh, you know, I, I think is a positive step in the right direction. Uh, again, like I said, I think that the, the the lower crowd has helped the hecklers. I said this yesterday. Uh, because obviously, I mean, you look at the two teams that have been in here, Missouri and Florida, th- those guys have been like ready to fight <laughs> after, after those series. So, I mean, I don't know if this will drown them out or not, but 
capacity is going to 3350 and that that's 50% of the bleachers and, and chair back seating at Founders Park. Um, and then they'll have, uh, they're, they're going to sell them in the following order. Uh, if you're a 2020 or 2021 baseball season ticket holder uh, today from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, and then Gamecock Club members can go from 3 p.m. today to, to Thursday at noon. Um, also 3 p.m. to Monday uh, for everything else but the Arkansas series. And then tickets will be on sale for the general public for the Arkansas series at uh, on April 22nd, Thursday at noon. And then on Monday at 10 a.m., remaining home series following Arkansas. Uh, and that Tennessee series at the end could end up being pretty pretty big. I think so. Will uh, Mississippi State? I mean, they're all big from here on out. I mean, just, I don't know what the heck am I talking about here. Um, and so the social distancing is three feet instead of six. I think you know the mask policy is still in 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 you know in place. But hey, it's the number one team in the country. Gamecocks are number eleven. They have a chance to come in and uh, our chance to to win a big series. And uh, while these uh, regional host sites are being determined, predetermined. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Big opportunity for the Gamecocks. Got to get off the schneid a little bit uh, on Friday night with Thomas Farr. But, you know, in, in baseball, sometimes things just turn. And you, you don't know. You never know. I mean, Farr could go out, get some run support Thursday night. It's not Thursday. It's not Friday night. It's Thursday night. Uh a big win, and then they come back Saturday where Carolina's been pretty stellar and lose. I mean, it, it, you know, it's just baseball. It's baseball, folks. Um, uh, John Whittle, by the way, on the, on the website, has a great VIP piece. If you're not a VIP member, go join. Baseball Thoughts at the Midpoint really breaks it down. Talks about where Carolina's at. Uh, and basically, you know, I, I think this is a good rebound year for Carolina uh, to get back to play in Carolina baseball. Uh, is this one of the greatest teams that they've ever had? No. Um, that said, the 2010 team wasn't considered that. Uh, I still remember in 2010 them losing to Florida with the SEC on the line the last series of the year, and everybody was kind of grumbling. And then I think they went to and barbecue and Hoover again, and everybody's kind of grumbling, <laughs> you know. And then all of a sudden, a month later, they're they're celebrating in Omaha. Um, JB from JB and Goldwater had a pretty good tweet yesterday. Uh, by the way, catch me on JB and Goldwater tomorrow, twelve thirty to one thirty. Uh, that's on uh, as it always is on Wednesdays. That, that Ray Tanner really had his first big year in year four. Now, and this is Kingston's fourth year. Um, I, I think that. You know, that year, obviously, Carolina 50 and six in the regular season, 56 and 10 overall, the number one overall seed in the tournament. Very disappointing. One of the most disappointing uh, super regional defeats the game. And, and that was really the only, during the Tanner era, that was really the only super regional at home where you went and it was disappointing loss. They won the other ones. Um, but, you know, Louisiana Lafayette came in and beat them, and they didn't go to Omaha. But it was a breakthrough year for, for Ray Tanner. I mean, he had scratched out a winning season his first year, 
went to a regional the next year. The next year they kind of got screwed because they won the SEC East, but did not get into a 64-team expanded field. I mean, that, that's – people wonder why Gamecock fans are paranoid. That's – there's one example that year. 35-23 and 23, division champion in the best league in college baseball, the expanded 64-team tournament, and they get left out. <laughs> wow. Kind of makes you think about that Frank Martin NIT team, too, the 25, 24-8 one. This should have been in. But anyway – and, you know, if you think about it, too, Chad Holbrook in his fourth year went to a super regional. They kind of had a rebound year. Uh, and that's for those of you that, you know, always complain about Holbrook being here too long. I mean, I, I don't know that you fire the guy after going to a super. Now, that was a disappointing super regional. Don't get me wrong. It was in Columbia. I think the game kind of scored, what, one or two runs the whole in, in the sweet swept by Oklahoma State. That was terrible. But, um, Holbrook went to a super in year four, too. So year fours, at least for the last two baseball coaches at Carolina, have been good. Uh, and, and so maybe that's what's going on here. I, You know, like I said, I, I think this team with the right path can make it to Omaha because of its pitching. Uh, but there's some things they have to clean up defensively and consistency at the plate. I mean, and I'm parroting Whittle saying that. Um, are they capable? Probably, yeah. And the, there's a lot of really good teams in, in this league, a lot of really talented teams. Uh, but, you know, the pitching in the postseason is what's going to kind of help them along, but you, you can't just pitch. You know, you can't just you know, go out there and lose everything three to one. So that's what's going on there. So anyway, I thought that was good news about the uh, capacity expanding, especially for those of you heading to Columbia this weekend for the spring football game, and, you know, you'll be able to, Maybe maybe catch both. Let me look at the baseball schedule, folks. Maybe you can't. Because the spring football is at two. Um okay, Saturday's game. Oh, yep, you can you can make it. Because the spring spring football is at two. And the Arkansas third game is at four. So you can roll, catch, you know, because really when, when you get to the fourth quarter of a spring game, you know, you've kind of seen a lot. Uh, catch the, the spring football game and head on over to Founders Park for the final game of a big, big series with the Razorbacks. So that will be, uh, be a good weekend in Columbia, big weekend in Columbia for a number of reasons. Basketball stuff. From uh, John Whittle and, and those guys on the Big Spur last night, VIP room. Again, you can join for a dollar. I think there's a 60% off annual membership deal, and, and that includes Paramount Plus streaming. Uh, if you want to go join up for the annual, I think that's a pretty good deal. It ends up being like a, shoot, like a $200 a year value for the bundle and so what 60 off that would cost you like 40 bucks right now to join for the whole year uh and so i, I would go take advantage of that um if, if you aren't a member now i would go back and do it but hoops okay so so here's the latest on the hoops roster and this is going to be a very fluid situation um as far as you know when will everything be finalized whatever so aj lawson declares for the draft he's going to sign with an agent um, there was some talk that he wanted to come back. His family really wanted him to go ahead and try pro ball. Um, 
that was kind of the the discussion there. I, I always thought maybe it was like a ten percent chance he'd come back, just because he's tested the waters twice, and, and you can't go and not sign with an agent the third time. So you really either gotta you're either going or staying. And uh, you know, he's got a dream to chase, and you know he's been in at Carolina for a while now. I mean, that's uh, I think what yeah, it was third year. Um. And so I, I thought he played pretty well this year. Is more consistent than he was in previous years. Um, I, I thought the only argument for coming back was get stronger physically because he's not that strong, kind of skinny guy. Um, but you can also develop that way in the G League or overseas or wherever. So um, Lawson's gone, so he's out. So Keyshawn Bryant and Jermaine Cousinard, when Frank did his press conference the other day, he mentioned that he felt good about those two coming back. Uh, the latest info is Kusinar's been around and engaged, and Jermaine maybe looks more likely than Keyshawn. Uh, and to credit Whittle, Whittle's kind of been on the I don't think Keyshawn's coming back uh, end of things for a while. I mean, you never know. He could. Uh, but I, I, and I think with Bryant specifically, he thinks – you know, and I agree here. I think with the type of athlete he is and the highlights that he – I mean, he'd be a great fit like in Europe uh, for one of those teams. I mean, he would be a – he'd put on a show now. Uh, and that style of play, we're going to play a lot of D and he could get rebounds. I mean, he's – I mean, Mike Kotsar is tearing it up over there, <laughs> uh, by the way. But, I mean, that's, that's a different deal. So, I, I think that – you know, Bryant's going to want to go play pro ball, uh, probably. You know, like I said, I, I I can't rule out him coming back. And I think it'd be big for Carolina if he did. Um, but right now, if you want kind of odds, Cousinard looks more likely than Bryant. I, I think getting – I think what would suck would be one of those guys or both of those guys gone. I mean, because I, I don't know that – I think Cousinard needs to come back and have a rebound year. Um, you know, and like I said, Brian, I think his best thing for him would be – and look, somebody in the G League may take him because uh, he's got that kind of upside. My gosh, if he could play a little more under control, refine his skills and shoot a little better, which he did this past year. Uh, he's got all the athleticism in the world. I mean, he's got top end – he's a top end athlete. But – uh you know, but but Cousinard to me, if he'd come back and have a rebound year like he did as a freshman, he'd probably get himself in better position. And quite frankly, I think they need him. You know, they need some some guys that are used to it and all that. The exciting thing, uh, and, and look, you, you never want to like, you know, I don't want to say count your chickens before they hatch, but you, you never want to sit there and think it's done before it's done because we've we've lived through this with a lot of basketball recruits um trey mitchell who's probably oh i don't know one of the best you know transfer portal guys that you can probably think about he's from umass six nine uh 240 pounds Pittsburgh native uh, star uh, by all accounts, a, a star post player. Uh, we talked about it with Keith 
in the reunion episode. Uh, I don't remember if it was on here or, or there, but uh, I, I think that, man, man, oh, man. Uh, when you think about Frank Martin and his offenses uh, and his teams, they are so much better when you have a skilled big man, that, you know, that you can run the offense through. And, and this is a guy that's – I mean – this is an elite guy, you know, 18.8 points per game, 7.2 boards, 2.2 assists, 51% from the field. Um, you know, just a, a stud. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better term, and he's done it for two years. In the Atlantic 10, which is not a bad league, there's a family connection there uh, with Frank Martin, uh, and they're doing the best they can do to get him in. And I, and I think, you know, Trey Mitchell comes in and, and you get one of Bryant Cousinard back and then there you may target one other guy or something or two. Uh, I think all of a sudden, you know, just adding Mitchell and one player, especially a big post, like the post player like that can really change the trajectory of your team. I mean, I think in basketball. So, if you if you haven't completely lost all hope and you're not going and if you're one of those that's going to be you know not going to be happy regardless that's fine it's probably not for you but if you still had a glimmer of hope for carolina basketball you know light a candle say a prayer whatever you have to do carolina needs to sign Trey Mitchell because that that changes things completely because then you start thinking about well They've added an elite big man. They've added some defensive guys like Wilson and Stevenson that can play D. They're going to buy in on the D. You get either Bryant, Cousinard, or both back. Those are proven guys. You know, Chico Carter is a local guy that can shoot the three. Same with Reese, uh, who's kind of a – you know, those two guys are coming home and excited. Uh, and then you got depth in the post, too, with Levesque and Frank and Manat, who I think is going to be good in time. Uh, and then, then you're, you're 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 getting there, you know. No guarantees, but you're getting there. And, and it doesn't look as hopeless as it did probably a couple of weeks ago. In fact, it looks pretty decent. I mean, I'm if there's one thing that that you're sure of, you know, Frank Martin can coach a team to play defense. And Frank Martin, when he has an elite post player, he's just better, or even a, a good post player. I mean, it Levesque. He tried this year. I thought he got better, but unless he dunked it, he wasn't going to do much with it. Uh, but you think back to even Jack Tevish's, uh, and then Chris Silva all those years, how, you know, you got a guy like that that really makes it, uh, you know, makes it good. I mean, even even like in the 18 and 13 year, you know, games where everybody's cold from the field – you know, the game against Georgia, I'm specifically remembering, and Alonzo Frank comes in and, shoot, they just kept throwing it to him. He had 22 points. Uh, and, and that's basketball 101. So cross your fingers. Like I said, light a candle, whatever. If you care about Carol, so the Gamecocks could, you know, hopefully they can get Trey Mitchell. Like, like I'm not predicting it, neither is Whittle. But because there is a connection there, uh, and, and because, you know, that is a big missing piece, um, you know, I, I think the Gamecocks do have a chance to get him. So that would be that would be good. Frank Martin's now the longest tenured head coach. And I think I think he actually passed this milestone this past year 
or in uh, the 18 and 13 season. But since Frank McGuire at the University of South Carolina. So 10 years, this is year 10, uh, and the third build. So we're in uncharted waters because all the other coaches that have come through have not gotten past their first or second build. I mean, I, I think Dave Odom was about to cycle back up when he had Frederick and Downey coming in as transfers and Mike Holmes and those guys. Um, but who knows? He was kind of at the end anyway. Eddie Fogler left Dave Odom a team that went to the NIT. Um, Darren Horn left nothing, by the way. So <laughs> he had to start. But those were those guys' second builds, I thought, Fogler and, and Odom. Uh, and then Frank's second build obviously ended like it did last year. But, you know, it's a new day and, you know, there's going to be a lot of new players. And so here's the third build. So that's what we're on right now. I'm going to give a shout out to the media department for Carolina football and uh, tight ends coach Eric Kimry. Those interviews, if you hadn't checked them out, uh, Eric Kimry mic'd up the ride along, all that good stuff. It's excellent. You kind of get inside the mind uh, of Coach Kimry. Which, which I think, you know, just knowing him and, and what he's kind of all about, I, I think if you're kind of looking at somebody that's, uh, you know, got the right philosophy about life and, and that can not only coach guys up on the field but off the field, uh, listen to what he says because he's got – he's very philosophical. He and, he and Coach Day, Luke Day, um, the strength coach, are kind of very similar guys. Uh, and so it's very fascinating, but shout out to – to Coach Kimmery and all that good stuff, and I always look forward to listening to the uh, the ride-alongs and the mic'd ups and all that good stuff because it just kind of shows you who these coaches are and that they're good human beings and all that happiness. All right, mailbag. There are two ways to get into the mailbag. The first way is to tweet to at the Big Spur Pod, and you can uh, tweet at the Big Spur Pod. Please follow that account. And um, and that'll be great. And then you can tweet to it, as Ricky did last night, or in yesterday's episode. Uh, and that'll be good. Or you can email insidethegamecocks at gmail.com, and we'll get to the one question we have today. Usually if we have, uh, you know, uh, we had four or five yesterday, and so now, you know, we got one. And I don't mind. I'm uh, I'm happy with that. I'm happy when we have one because I like interacting with all of you guys. But anyway, that's how you get in, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or at the Big Spur Pod, and I read them all uh, for the most part. There, there may have been a lost episode out there where I recorded it and then some news broke, so the the – the podcast really didn't make any sense. So I trashed it. Maybe I didn't get back to those questions. So if I missed a question from you, send another one and we'll be good. So, all right. So Joseph says, JC, I think it would be awesome if South Carolina could be like Arkansas. When was when they had Darren Fadden, Felix Jones and Peyton Hillis, they were a three headed monster and ran hog wild on everyone. They sure did. Do you think that with most teams going with smaller backers to combat the spread, throw happy teams, we could employ some smash mouth football? If so, this, is eight our, this would aid our defense because it would shorten the game and not allow the other team as many possessions. That's true. 
He's like, heck, when Beamer was at Oklahoma, Army took him to task when they had Kyler Murray. Thanks for all your hard work, Jezza from Spartanburg. Spartanburg, hometown. Um, I don't think it's going to look like Army, and I don't think it's going to look like Arkansas from those days uh, with all the Wildcat stuff. Keep in mind that was was Gus Malzahn um, at Arkansas during that time with Houston nut and the wild hog and all that. Uh, but also, you know, in 06, Arkansas won the division, won the sec West. That was pre pre Saban. Saban's first year was in 07. Uh, and, and they did run it well. And look in, in 07 too, they, uh, and Houston nut actually got fired from Arkansas that year for some reason. Uh, they beat, they were one of two teams to beat LSU and LSU won the national championship. Um, and those guys were really good. Uh, what I think it's going to probably look like there, Joseph, is more like Oklahoma uh, in terms of, of, of how they run the football out of Lincoln Riley's offense. And if you watch Oklahoma, yes, it's, it's air raid concepts, but there's a, there's a power running game element in it. Uh, and that's why everybody was kind of scratching their head when, you know, Mike Bobo was retained originally when, when Beamer said, well, the running game is very similar the concepts are very similar. It it looks different because a lot of it's out of the gun as opposed to some under center. Now there's still, there still will be some under center stuff, but you know, the actual plays and and concepts and here's how we're going to block this. And here's what you do on that play. Very similar to Oklahoma. So that's, that stuff's not really changing. You know, it's going to look differently formation wise and all that, but it's not really, uh, not really change it. So I think that's kind of what it's going to look like. But I do think South Carolina is going to run the football quite a bit this year. And I, and I think that's that's smart even if the receivers uh, are, are playing better and improved. Because while you are going to have to throw it eventually, if you can just go out and run it and establish that every game, you know, and make teams – you know, with the pass, you make teams play it honest, and then you can still run it. Uh, I think that's a positive thing. With the backs Carolina's got, I mean, you got Harris and Lloyd, and, you know, I talked yesterday about Zaquandre White, Rashad Amos. They're looking good. The offensive line should be a strength. Luke Doty's going to be able to run the ball. The, you know, they're talking about Wildcat with DeCarian Joyner or Jaheim Bell out of the Wildcat. was told yesterday Bell and Joyner can expect – you know, expect them to run the football some. I mean, it, it's it's going to be pretty interesting, diverse type of run game. Um, and, you know, that's that's a good thing. And, and you're absolutely right, Joseph, about uh, it helping the defense because defense isn't on the field. They can't give up points, you know, <laughs> or yards. Other team can't score. So that's, uh, that's a good thing there. Thanks for your email, Joseph. Certainly appreciate everybody. Um, emailing in for the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. And with that, we're going to shut it down for Tuesday. Don't forget tomorrow, Wednesday, we'll have an episode uh, here. I'll be on JB and Goldwater from 1230 to 130. Going to have a JC and Morgan podcast probably tomorrow. Uh, Also, for those of you, if you're in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, uh, I'm on Tide 100.9 at 830 Eastern 
every Wednesday. So Wednesdays are big days for me and certainly looking forward to it and looking forward to, uh, you know, this weekend and continuing to talk about this weekend uh, as it's a, it's a pretty big deal. A game cockland with the baseball and the spring football game. All right. Send in those mailbag questions. I'll answer them. And other than that, everyone have a wonderful Tuesday. This is J.C. Sherbert. This has been Inside the Gamecocks Podcast.